It's such a different generation to expect them to understand our choices now is very difficult. And it's, I think it comes back to communication where you kind of have to be very selective of who you share what with and also mm. be like, is it worth, is it worth it sharing this with this person? And if we say something offensive to somebody, we often sit with it and we often think we sit with it. We sometimes people try to make excuses for it and be like, oh, that person was oversensitive or, uh, oh, everything is complicated nowadays. So some, some people try to make excuses for it. And some people like yourself, Leanne, will try to learn from it, which is exactly what we should be doing. But there's another part to it that I feel is very important is that we need to go back to the person we thought we offended. We need to talk about it. Refreshingly real, refreshingly honest, refreshingly human. A podcast about human connections, shared experiences, and finding that line of humanity with your host, Hannah Pillow. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow, or welcome if you are here for the first time. We are glad to have you. We are coming to the end of season five that was all about sex and I have with me again Leanne Matthews hi Leanne how are you doing hi thank you for having me back yeah no of course I'm so today I was thinking we could just brainstorm from listening to the entire season I've just you know the the theme that really came about is that communicating about sex has been a consistent issue with most people and I've actually come to realize Leanne that like even though I speak so openly about sex and I'm like the one the go-to person to speak about sex I realized that I also have my own communication blockages when it comes to speaking about sex as well and I realized it through these conversations we had so yeah so I that's something I realized and I know when on your episode Leanne you mentioned that you grew up in a very free and open family when it came to sex so do you think you still have any of these blockages when it comes to communicating about sex do you know I think we all do more because of society so even if we grow up in households where you know like mine that was fairly open there wasn't really any subject that was off limits you know there's still things where I have to think about um you know, whether it's appropriate to say. And, you know, not not so much with my parents because, like, I can, I can laugh at certain things. I mean, there's still some things that I wouldn't say to my parents, don't get me wrong, but most things, you know, in some way I can be, be open about. But, you know, with, my, like, my grandparents, for example, and I, I think the blockages for me come when I'm... Um, when I think about my nephews, and, and they're all quite young, the oldest one is six, and you know sometimes things will come up just as they do with kids and I think to myself I have this kind of inner conversation with myself about shit what can I what can I say because I'm not their parents I want to be honest with them about certain things so a prime example was um 
uh, about a year ago, my, in fact, it was when Philip Schofield came out and it was on the news and I was in the car with my six-year-old nephew. We'd just come back from cinema and he asked me what being gay meant. And, you know, I really wanted to be just completely honest with him. And I think, I think I was in, but it's how, how are you honest in an age appropriate way? So I basically said to him, you know how mummy and daddy love each other and both mummy and daddy, mummy's um, a girl, daddy's a boy, um, you know, thinking about age appropriate ways. And um, I said, you know, sometimes two men can love each other, two women can love each other. And he just kind of went, oh, okay. And then moved on to the next conversation. But in my head, I was thinking afterwards, why did I worry about saying that to him? I think from my point of view, it was more because, you know, is it my place? Mm. But then if he's asking the question, he's asking the question. And there's, you know, certainly nothing to be ashamed about. And that's what I wanted to get across to him is that it's okay. It's it's life and it's okay. I know. And that's yeah. so important because, um, oh my God, kids can ask so many questions. Like you just reminded me, one of the kids in my family um, used to ask me a lot of these questions. And I think when when they choose to come to you, even if they're not your child, they're showing a level of trust in you that they chose you to ask this question to. So, for example, I had the question from a child um, about nipples. And uh, we were we were just lying down in bed and I was like, I think I was telling him a story or something. And I wasn't wearing a bra and he saw that my nipples were hard. And he was like, why is why is it pointy sometimes? And I promise you, I had to laugh. Like, I could not help but laugh at that question. <laughs> and then I had to think, now, how do you answer this appropriately to a child? Because you, obviously, like, the nipple gets hard for many different reasons, you know. Um, it's sure. not just when we're sexually active or sexually, mm. or sexually aroused. It gets hard when we're fucking cold. It gets, it gets yeah. hard for many stupid reasons right <laughs> i think i think it even gets hard in like in the shower sometimes right is it i think it's temperature sensation or yeah, yeah. Se it's sensitive to temperatures as well mm. so there's plenty of reasons that it happens and then and then the follow-up question i got from that was why does my little niece have no breasts and i have big big well his exact words were big fat breasts <laughs> so cruel <laughs> well i mean i'm kind of flattered by that in some way but he definitely has no idea what big breasts are because i have tiny ones <laughs> and i think i think in that that sense i mean you just hit the nail on the head there's so many different reasons why your nipples would be standing to attention at that point and um and i think this is the problem isn't it we we shouldn't actually be worried about saying that and we shouldn't be worried about, you know, explaining certain things, but yet we are. And that's, I think that's a very deep rooted, um, you know, d something that's just in us because of society over generations and generations. We, we panic when certain subjects come up and, yes. you know, in this situation, I am more than happy to talk about sex on kind of any level when I'm with my friends, the same. Would I do it in front of my grandparents? No, Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. They know. I mean, they know what I um, what I want to do, you know, long term, and they know that. Um, well, I assume they know 
that it involves talking about sex and like when I post things on Facebook I'm friends with both of them on Facebook and I try not to worry about what I post on Facebook because after all it's my Facebook if you don't like it you can go um but I do think oh shit my nan's gonna see this how is she gonna feel about it and they never like or comment on any of those things but they must have seen them but there is still that deep-rooted do I want my nan seeing this Actually, I was speaking to someone the other day. Um, his name is Amir Yas. I don't know if you've heard of Amir Yas. He, he identifies as a queer Muslim. And he's mm-hmm. actually going to be on the next uh, episode after after this mm-hmm. one. Um, but yeah, Look I was speak- I know. Um, but yeah, I was speaking to him. And he actually made a very good point about like the content we create is not usually for our family. It's not. And usually it's for our audience. It's for the people who want this content. And a lot of the times, like I know for me and Amir, we creating contact that our, content that our family will hugely disagree with or hugely be offended by. And I love the point that he made in this conversation where he said that, but your podcast is not for your family. And if they don't like it, they just don't, should not listen to it. Yeah. Uh, your content is for your audience and for the people you are trying to reach not for your family and I love that so much because that means that you can stay true to your message um, without having to think okay what would my grand say if she saw this because trust me if my family listened to this they would really not like what I have to Mm -hmm. say Um, and I guess I guess on some level they would they wouldn't even recognize the person behind the mic because it's not the the person they used to interacting with. Yeah, understand. I think um, also we need to bear in mind that as long as we're not deliberately setting out to offend somebody or we're deliberately remaining ignorant about something, it's not up to us to protect people from being offended. And certainly with what I do, my my whole aim with talking about sex so openly and is education and if just you know I've, I don't know how many friends I've got on Facebook but if by sharing say that blog that I wrote for you um, if by sharing that one person has benefited from it they've learned something or they've just felt more um, you know or they want to go on to learn something further from it then I've done my job and you know my nan is probably at an age where he's not really bothered either way so you know like you said it's not for it's not for her but I mean I think there's also um you know a lot of us even the most open people when it comes to things like sexuality and I was talking to somebody else about this recently I mean I don't uh identify as straight I've known forever that I didn't fit into the straight box but I didn't really know know kind of you know how I identified so I've never really officially come out to anybody I mean people closest to me kind of know some do some don't I suppose it's not something that I've ever actually said hey I am this Hmm. um so now I kind of think the most fitting uh label if you want for better term for me is queer I like that because it doesn't um doesn't really pinpoint any one thing but would I put that on my Facebook page would I would I say that to my grandparents to to my auntie probably probably not but that's okay because that's a part of me that I I can choose to share whether I want to or not and so I think sometimes we we 
need to be aware that we don't have to communicate every single every single thing it's our choice mm-hmm. and again I'm saying this to you knowing full well that my nan is not going to listen to this podcast <laughs> um <laughs> no absolutely yeah. and that that just kind of reminds me um of like my own labels as well and and the things that I choose to associate myself with so like you say uh, you identify as queer and that's personal to you and whoever you choose to share it with uh, on the other hand for me like not talking about sexuality but talking about like religious beliefs I don't identify as anything and I don't attach any labels to what I believe in I don't even use the label spiritual atheist agnostic I don't use any of those labels because I don't feel like I fit any of them um, but however there is like a community of people who call themselves ex-Muslims and I relate to a lot of them the most and I would only refer to myself as an ex-Muslim within that community because Mm -hmm. I don't want that label attached to me either as being an ex-anything, you know? So again, it's kind of like, who do you choose to tell? Because I would be an ex-Muslim around them because they understand and we have a shared experience but to anyone else I just want to be Hannah no religion end of story that's what I want to (laughs) be I completely relate to that and I wouldn't um you know it's the same reason why I wouldn't come out as queer in an official sense to my grandparents because then that would in their minds just become you know it would almost overshadow the fact that I'm still just Leanne their granddaughter yeah Um, exactly and it's like I was I was talking to someone the other day and I was like I want my grandparents like one of two of my grandparents already passed away believing that I was just a shitty Muslim Mm. (laughs) I mean no I mean for me it's like okay at least they died thinking I was a Muslim even if (laughs) even if I was a bad one at least (laughs) at least they thought that because that that means a lot to them and yes. I would I would like my existing grandparents to continue believing that narrative as well if it makes them happy. Um, because it's such a different generation to expect them to understand our choices now is very difficult, um, you know? And it's, I think it comes back to communication where you kind of have to be very selective of who you share what with and also mm. be like, is it worth is it worth it sharing this with this person? Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, com- I, completely, I completely relate to that. I mean, I, I think about, like, if my, if my grandparents asked me if they had any reason, I mean, I'm, my relation, the relationship I'm in is, is, you know, outward, for outward appearances, a straight relationship. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, God forbid anything happened to me and my current partner. I hope it doesn't. But that doesn't mean that, you know, my next relationship, if there is one, wouldn't be, uh, you know, with a, a female or. Um, so if my grand- grandparents actually came out and said, Leanne, what is your sexuality? I would be <laughs> honest with them. Um, I, I'm not I wouldn't lie to them about who I am because it, it is who I am. And I don't you know, I'm not deliberately hiding it. Mm. I'm just you know does that make sense (laughs) oh yeah no absolutely and I respect that I think for me though I would probably I probably am deliberately hiding it from my grandparents Mm. right now which is fair enough (laughs) um but yeah that's a very complicated thing to get into and you know what uh to everyone listening I will get into that at some point and I have spoken about 
uh, this personal decision on many other podcasts as well. So if you want to know more, DM me and I'll link you up to the podcast that I have actually spoken about this in quite openly. I just want to interrupt you listening for a brief second just to remind you to check out my social media pages. I'm on Instagram as Refreshingly Human Podcast and Facebook as Refreshingly Human. You can also check me out on LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And if you are enjoying the episode, please don't forget to take a screenshot of yourself listening to the episode and share it on your own social media. Don't forget to tag me so I can see that love for Refreshingly Human. Now I'll let you get back to the episode. I want to go back to the point that we made earlier about communications about sex being so deeply ingrained with us from like what we've learned or things in the media and you know it's just like things like like you said like talking about uh, homosexual relationships or explaining that to a kid or you know even talking about the way the body is formed Um, so like a lot of people I spoke to myself included we were thought a lot of, like, I know personally myself, I was thought a lot of shame um, about the female body, especially, because it's like, I, I speak about this a lot in my episode, which I've already recorded, and will be coming out soon. Um, but yeah, I was kind of like ingrained to to feel ashamed of my female physique, and that anything to talk, or anything to talk about your body, like talking about your breasts, and even the, even the word vagina, were words that we would never use in our family. Um, so to to say these things now with such confidence is like, it's like a whole different world that I'm living in mm-hmm. right now. And it was a lot of, there's a lot of blockages that I had to get over to be able to communicate these things. And one thing I did realize from speaking to everyone is that I think that I even have blockages about talking about sex with my own partner like we do obviously we we've spoken a lot op- openly about many things because he is my partner and I have the best communication with him that I've ever had with anyone um but there's still my own mental barriers about certain things in my head that even though I would say it to him there's still a blockage there that it might take me a while to say something to him um you know like, I think we had many conversations where we said to talk about what you like and what you don't like. Those conversations yeah. are not easy ones to have and they don't come naturally to us because we, a lot of us were raised not to talk about these things. Mm. So they don't come easily to us. And how do you think moving forward, we can actually make those conversations easier? I think... Um... You know, it needs to start, like you said, you, you wouldn't even utter the words vagina or vulva or breasts in your, you know, in your childhood. And I think that's where it that's where it needs to start rather than making up fluffy names for our genitals um, to try and hide the fact that they're genitals. <laughs> I think we need to teach young you know, children from a young age the the names of the um you know the anatomy and in the same way as we would say you know we wouldn't make up a fluffy name for your arm or your hair or your eyeballs that would be so weird yeah why do we do it for genitals and I think by making them sound twee if for want of a better word already we're attaching shame we're attaching shame to the word vagina vulva penis why why are we you know we don't do that with any other body part so I think that's where it starts by actually 
being able to say the words, not feeling like you have to. I mean, you know, a lot of us have kind of pet names for our genitals. That, that's kind of normal. But I think first and foremost, we should be taught what the actual words are and encouraged to use those words comfortably. Yeah. I think that's where it starts. Definitely where it starts. Um, and I think that now, like, a lot of us haven't been raised that way. So we have to unlearn and undo a lot of those things ourselves. Um, so I think personally for me, it's the first step of undoing anything is to actually be aware of it. So this season particularly has been very helpful for me in a sense that I've come to realize that I can be more open about certain aspects of sex um, mm. than I, you know, like not not just not just be more open, but just realize that sometimes I have these blockages, whereas I will eventually say something, but I will it will take me a while to get there just because of all the shame that I've been, you know, yeah. indoctrinated with over the years. So it takes a while mm. to get there. So I need to sit with that and recognize when when my brain is doing that. So when when is my brain blocking me from saying what I want to say? And when is my brain associating what I want to say with shame? Um, mm. And I think that's the first step to sort of unlearning this behavior. And then slowly yeah. I can change the narrative in my own mind and then out loud as well. Um, I also think it's very important for us, myself and whoever else has these experiences, to change that inner dialogue and then change that outer dialogue. Because if we don't recognize these patterns and these behaviors in ourselves, we're not going to be able to change it for the next generation or the generation sure. after that. And we're going to be repeating the same essence of shame. So we have to really yeah. recognize when are we acting shameful towards sex or sexual communications? Mm. When are we making it a shameful thing? And yeah. when, um, you know, in in our own heads first, I think. Mm. And I think that's that, you know, um, again, it, it starts from a young age, doesn't it? I mean, how many of us, have um you know seen our parents quickly cover up when we walk in the room or um it, you know even like diet culture for example if if a, a young person grows up with a parent or a carer that is constantly on a diet what does that tell them about how the body should look there is no mm. you know there's no set this is how the body should look and yet if we're constantly seeing diet culture in our homes in our and that's what that gets passed down. That shame of how the body naturally looks gets passed down, doesn't it? I've never thought about that because I actually grew up uh, in a culture that just eats whatever the shit they want to. <laughs> so that, that, that's definitely, yeah. I mean, um, there definitely was a lot of diet culture around me growing up, but I kind of, because it was people my age that that were doing this and I wasn't very connected to people my age growing up um I didn't realize the diet culture until a much older age um but growing up I was raised where uh, you were just served like a shitload of food and you eat it and then you eat more <laughs> and then you eat dessert <laughs> and everyone around you is big most of the time mm. uh, I had very few aunts who were skinny or, or well you know, uh, my mom, my mom is very, um, has a very good figure even now. Uh, mm. And I, I never actually realized or put two and two together as to 
how those women were looking after themselves because my mom used to eat a lot she she ate very healthily but she was just very active and that's what mm. kept it then uh and i didn't make any of those connections i know one of my aunts was constantly on a diet growing up uh and as a teenager i got to realize this because she would keep trying to get me to be on a diet as well mm. and yeah as a that, teenager as a teenager yeah because i was a very very overweight teenager and a lot of people tried to get me to go on a diet as a teenager um and to lose the weight mm. um because yeah and that that is when that whole diet culture and shame would have started indoctrinating me and sure when i started feeling like there was something wrong with my body mm. yeah yeah and i think also a lot of time um certainly in conversations like this it is so easy to accidentally say something a slip of the tongue or just in conversation that could um could offend somebody and and you know i don't mean deliberately remaining ignorant that's completely different but um i think there is that that fear that if we talk about this subject, we're going to say something that's going to upset somebody. And I think, you know, you saying earlier about, you know, there are certain things you have to sit with. I, um, I've recently been uh, thinking about a period of time where I said somebody to some someone out of complete ignorance. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't mean to hurt them in any way. I don't even know if I did hurt them. But now knowing what I know, I... Um, you know, I, I think about, I go back to thinking about, shit, I said that to somebody, basically implying that I was questioning their own, you know, identity. Um, and I really didn't mean to, you know, to upset them if I did. I don't even know if I did. But that constant worry of, am I going to say something to upset somebody? And I think to that, I would say, we need to appreciate that we are constantly learning, especially or constantly learning and constantly unlearning because, you know, a lot of this language that we've been raised with is not okay. Now it's not acceptable. It will hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to allow ourselves to unlearn those things, mm -hmm. make mistakes as we go along, accept that we're human and that sometimes there'll be a slip of the tongue or in conversation it will just come out sounding wrong even though you didn't mean it to sound that way um and I think that's you know that's important as well for growing your communication skills absolutely and I'm actually so glad you brought that up Leanne because I am working on a communication course that speaks exactly to that point um of yeah so the course is how to take yourself from afraid of offending to confidently connect making connections and we cover in a module in the last two modules we cover how you know how to ask questions without offending people but also what to do if you slip up because we are all human and we're gonna make mm. mistakes so one thing i would say to what you just said is um so i mean i've been the receiving end of offensive comments quite often as a woman of color um, but also as a human being, I've offended people plenty as well, <laughs> you know, um, but what I would say is that we need to realize that communications is a two way street. And if we say something offensive to somebody, we often sit with it and we often think we sit with it. We sometimes people try to make excuses for it and be like, oh, that person was oversensitive or, uh, oh, everything is complicated nowadays. So some, some people try to make excuses for it. And some people like yourself, Leanne, will try to learn from it, which is 
exactly what we should be doing. But there's another part to it that I feel is very important is that we need to go back to the person we thought we offended and we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. As a person who's been offended, I would appreciate it if people would come back to me and ask me, were, were you offended? Why were you offended? Let's have a conversation about it. Because mm. now I know that person genuinely wants to learn how to better themselves and they genuinely want to make things right with me. Especially yes. if it, especially if it's someone important in your life, you know, maybe if it's a passing stranger, you can maybe just learn next time. But yeah. if it's someone who's close in your life and who is, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot, these conversations are really important for us to have. Mm-hmm. So would you approach that as, you know, um, casually, like in a, a situation where you're just kind of sitting around chatting casually and just say, hey, something's been playing on my mind. I'm worried that I may have offended you whenever. I mean, mm-hmm. what I'm talking about was years ago, but um, I'm, know, I'm worried that I may have offended you. How did, were you offended? And if so? Um, you know what? The t- yeah, that's a very good point, Leanne. And the timing of when we speak to somebody about anything, when we confront mm. anybody about anything is so important. Um, I've learned this with my own friend group because it's <laughs> my own friend group right now has been the most confrontational friend group I've ever had because we just, whenever we upset each other, we always talk about it. Um, but the way you choose to do it. So I remember in your episode when you said when you have the sex talk with your child and you make sure you're sitting side by side or you're not like in a confrontational so yeah so we would have to consider all of those things as well so I know um, from my experience don't ever do it over text don't ever ever try to fix something over text make sure it's a either phone call conversation and best of all a face-to-face conversation um, you know where you are you know sitting next to each other or yeah, I, I don't know, like if you're in a casual conversation, it could work, but I would definitely say make sure that the two of you are alone and you're not bringing it up in front yeah. of anyone else because this is like nobody else's business and you mm. don't want them to feel ambushed. Um, personally, from my point of view, I prefer to, you know, well, yeah, I, I prefer it to come organically in a conversation. So yeah. I know, I know like with one of my friends, um, I had said something, she had said something to upset me once, and then I had said something to upset her once. <laughs> and how we actually spoke about it afterwards is when, when I had upset her, she and I usually go out for walks together and she brought it up on one of our walks, but she didn't like bring it up immediately. She brought it up like way into our walk when we had like caught up with each other and we had checked in with each other and seen how we all doing. And then she casually brought it up and she was like, you know what, this has been on my mind. And I just want to make sure I understood what you meant when you said X, Y, and Z. Mm. And likewise, um, the same thing happened when I um, she had upset me. We brought it up in a very organic way. I think that's the best way to do it. So the person doesn't feel attacked. And they don't... Yes. I think when we text someone and say like, hey, I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z, we create anxiety and we create, uh, we create that space for them to catastrophize what it is we mm. want to talk to them about. Yeah. And I think, you know, the internet and social media kind of um, intensifies that a little bit because, you know, you and I are putting content out on 
on Instagram, your, you know, your podcast content is going out all the time. And we, you know, it's good to be held accountable when we slip up with certain language, but by the same token, you want somebody to say, Hey, do you, do you realize that what you said mm-hmm. could be offensive or wasn't quite correct or whatever, yeah. rather than a jump a bump bunch of people just attacking you, which people on the internet do do sometimes. Exactly. Um, Cause then, you know, that, that, that when you feel attacked, you're not in the mental headspace to learn because no. you're, you know, it's human nature to feel defensive or to feel sorry for yourself. So I think it goes for on, on the, you know, on the internet, if you notice that, you know, somebody who's put, putting educational content out in whatever form has got something wrong, said something wrong, um, you know. Absolutely, we all done it. Do it respectfully, maybe private message them rather than in the comments, just say, hey, do you realize you, you slipped up a little bit yeah. um yeah absolutely and i think that you know while while we as a person offended about something while we can come up at it and be like hey uh, i just want to let you know that this offended me i think it's also important for the person who offended someone if if you like like you said earlier if you think you offended someone you need to approach them you need mm. to go to them and you need to ask them you need to learn and you need to apologize so in this course as well i'm going to go through how we should be doing this exactly when we do slip up and why it's important for us to do this um because i think that if we don't do this and if we don't do this correctly we like you said we can become very defensive about offending someone because we want to be we all i think on some level we all want to be perfect human beings and there's Mm, no such thing as a perfect human being no, I mean we all want to. We all want to feel like we're good people, and you know, we we the majority of us don't ever deliberately set out to offend people. Yeah. I know there's you know there's a minority that that might do, but I think <laughs> the majority of human beings don't deliberately set out to offend people. So you know, hopefully we're all open to learning when when we have. And yeah. I think you know there's there's one certainly from. Um, you know, my kind of side of things, the way that the type of subject that I'm dealing with every day, Um, a a really good example. So you were talking about how you've, um, you've had a lot of offensive comments being a a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Um, Another example is dead naming a transgendered person, which is very easy to do. If you've always known a person with a certain name and then they say this is not this is not my name this is not who I am my name is whatever I would appreciate it if you started calling me that if you slip up it's very easy if you're a good person that is to to want to over apologize and make a big thing of it whereas you know a lot of people say and I'm not a transgendered person so I I don't have first-hand knowledge of this but a lot of people say they'd much rather you acknowledge it apologize and then move on yes yeah. over apologizing that's a good point over apologizing over apologizing can also re- lead to people trying to justify their behavior as well mm. so just apologizing yeah. and rectifying is very very important um yeah. and i think that what, speaking to your point on that not everyone like most people don't intend to offend people 
this is true, but it's also not an excuse to not be accountable if you do offend no, someone. I completely um, agree. So, so, like, I've had people apologize to me, but then they say, but our intentions was good. Now, when you say that, <laughs> you're being very dismissive about that ap- apology because it yes. doesn't matter what your intentions was. You made an offensive comment. You need to own it and you need to rectify genuine. it. Yeah. Genuine. Yeah, genuine. Yeah, and I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, need to unlearn what an apology actually is, and you know, in order to be able to apologize genuinely, so that that you can move on as friends or in a relationship or whatever, um, and it's not constantly hanging over your head. And I also think, you know, it, we need to learn how not how not to feel defensive or how to sit with feeling defensive. I think de- feeling defensive is a, is it's human. human nature. I think. I think what we need to do is learn how to be accountable. So yes. despite feeling defensive, we need to be accountable for our owning our actions. Sure. Um, and I know that's a really hard thing to come to terms with because of the way a lot of us were raised. Uh, it's a really hard thing to deprogram because we still see, I know in my own um, family back home, I still see that behavior of people hurting me, doing things um, that are hurtful and remaining unaccountable for it Mm. and remaining defensive and being like, oh, but you don't call me, oh, but blah, 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 blah. There's no accountability for their actions. And you see that and you, it's so easy to want to fall into those patterns of like the world revolves around me. It's harder to actually recognize that these patterns are destructive and we need to, accountability is going to make my life. So it's going to make me we want to be a good person and accountability is going to make me a better person. That's a really good way of putting it. I think if you genuinely want to be a better person, then you have to own your shit. Own your shit. I love it. Yeah, own your shit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just want to um, end off by saying that um, if anyone is interested in the course that I'm going to be launching, I have an Instagram page that's going to start being active from June. And it's the Revolutionary Conversation Guru. I will link it in the show notes. So follow me there, follow me there for all content related relating to conversation and communication skills with just with people in general and also people who are different to us. And I will be putting all the launch details of my new course on that page as well. So follow me there for more details. And I look forward to that. I'm I'm really excited to launch this course. It's been so fun. We've been doing uh, try runs this month, putting together the last things and getting some feedback. And it's just been so fun to do it. I'm so passionate about communications. When do you sleep, Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) Do you sleep? (laughs) A lot. I sleep a lot. And I watch Netflix a lot. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you have like some downtime as well, because you just you're so awesome in everything you do. Oh, and you. yeah, you're really you're like on it with Instagram and you're on it with your course and your podcast. And I have... just, at the moment, I'm just I'm just dealing with Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I think what helps me to stay on top of things is having systems in place for everything. Um, that's really helpful. Uh, I, I will say that I cannot wait till I can leave my day job. Um, so please support me with my course, guys, so I can actually leave my course. And see, that's another word I need to stop using is guys. It's such an ingrained word, but I need to stop using it. Uh, I am aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
language is so important isn't it's it? so important yeah um that i don't know i think like in south africa we kind of have that habit of using that word all the time so mm. it's very ingrained in me but i'm definitely working on stopping you stopping using that word <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll definitely share so any any um information you put out about your your course i'll share it on my platforms as well amazing that'll be great thank you leanne and thank you so much for joining me once again it has been a fantastic conversation uh we 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 went more into communications uh, and a little bit away from sex but i think that they so tie into each other in so many ways like we said because um sex is such a delicate topic to talk about and like you said people can be scared to talk about it because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing yeah and and even I like whenever I do a podcast um with somebody or whenever I put content out there um afterwards I will think about everything I said in my head and I'll think oh god did I I didn't mean to say that did I offend somebody did I you know and and literally every single podcast I've done I've I've worried about something that I've said and I think you know there's there's worrying to the point of worrying so you can learn but then there's worrying to the point of being so worried that you don't shut do down all communication yeah don't do anything yeah like yeah it, it can go to that extreme where you become so worried that you want to deflect the blame onto society onto things are too complicated onto making yeah. excuses rather than finding the solutions solutions yeah absolutely Amazing. So next week, everyone, we are going to have the lovely Amir Yas, the queer Persian Muslim who is so fucking amazing. Like, seriously love this guy. He's going to be sharing his experience of what it was like to discover his sexuality uh, within his uh, very strict Muslim upbringing. This is going to be quite an interesting conversation to have. And yeah, thanks, Leanne, once again for joining us. And I'll see everyone on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend you think would enjoy the content as well. You can also leave me a review on iTunes or podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Refreshingly Human Podcast, Facebook as Refreshingly Human, and LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.